Welcome to the Project Unchained podcast, where my special guests and I help you break free from the chains that hold you back from life's greatest experiences. The goal of this podcast is to educate people on self-care modalities that can and will improve your life if you commit to doing them. An effective self-care regimen is the single most important thing that you can do for yourself to have a more extraordinary life experience. I'm your host, Ross Leppola, and I've spent the past several years of my life on a journey of healing and self-care after living my first 28 years chained down by my own limiting thoughts and beliefs. Now, I'm here to share what I've learned with you to empower you to break free from the chains that hold you back from your unlimited potential. Let's get unchained. When you were lost in the woods, you were misunderstood by everyone, everyone. You were searching for words, but they came out absurd. And no one heard you, no one heard you speak your Hey, what's up, y'all? Welcome back to the Project Unchained podcast. I'm your host, Ross Lepola, and today I got a fun little twist of an episode for you. Uh, the last episode I had Dana Martin on, and she is the author of Radical Unschooling. And Vanessa had found that book some time ago, and it, it, hits, it hit home for me. It hit me right in the feels. There was a lot of it that really made me reflect on my life and my childhood and my parenting. And so today I wanted to record an episode reflecting on that book, and I thought it would be really cool to reflect on that book with Vanessa. So Vanessa's joining me again. How are you doing, Vanessa? I'm good. Hey, y'all. Where did you first come across that book? Um, hmm. I think it was just me on Audible looking up unschooling. Uh, I don't think I anyone referred me to that book specifically, but uh, I found it just kind of doing some searching and digging. Uh, I am a quite the reader when it comes to <laughs> looking up uh, parenting things and homeschooling resources. And uh, this was just one of those books that it, the name of it, Radical Unschooling, uh, just re- just resonated with me. And I was like, let me take a listen. And it's honestly a really short little read. It's like three hours on Audible. Um, and I loved it. And it makes the most sense to me. And I think all of us, once we get really into it and start understanding the philosophy of radical unschooling and how it's more than just unschooling that we're doing, it's uh, radical you know, unschooling your life. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I think about this journey that we've been on of trying to determine what we want to do for Rosalie's education. And it's it's gone through a lot of different iterations. It's gone through a lot of different things. And there's definitely things in this book that hit on a different level that made me think about like parenting for the sake of like, a, a different way, like doing it that creates connection with the child, doing it that sets them up for mental well-being for a long time, for their the entirety of their life. And I know when I ref, when I listened to the book, there was all kinds of times that I was like, "Oh man, 
I remember struggling in my youth for that reason right there. And that connection in that moment would have helped me, but I didn't know how to explain it. And so this really put into words a lot of things that I didn't have the words for previously. Yeah, totally. I mean, the whole philosophy is based on trust. And when you get down to it, when you think about how we interact with human beings, not just our kids, but each other, um, if you come at any situation with a mindset or um, idea that you don't trust this person to do the right thing, then they're they're resentful of you if they get a whiff of that, you know, if they start to like feel that in you, they start to resent you. So if we don't trust our kids to make the right choices in the world, in their education, in their life, in what they choose to do, to learn, then they begin to do things to spite you almost. So a lot of behavioral issues come up because we don't trust our kids to know what to do or where to go or how to explore their interests. And as a parent, writing this philosophy into their life and into their children's education, you get to be very creative. And that's one of the things that I love about this journey that we're on is that there's just this expansion that's happening every single day. You can turn down away. You know, you take, you're taking a path and then the path forks because your kid's interest changes. And then you can go down that path and it leads to another path and another path and another path. And it becomes this huge delta of possibility. And it's just been so exciting and so fun to like ride that wave and see little light bulbs click on the basics, reading, writing, and math, you know, it's just like, wow, she gets it all. Um, And she gets to do it by exploring her interests completely. Um, You know, she gets to learn math and reading and science and all the things because those things are just part of life. Yeah, for sure. Like how many times have we been able to do math lessons just from making pancakes or baking something in the kitchen, just roll a math lesson into that real quick. And she picks it up so much faster when we just roll the lesson into whatever we're doing in life. Yeah, totally. I mean, and even baking's kind of like a adult led thing, but even just watching her organize something, <laughs> like it's just like the, like you see kids get into their like zone of imaginative play And the hardest thing to do is not interrupt it. (laughs) And she's doing something and you can see her counting and having things, halving, you know, and quartering and doing thirds and like she's making groups and she's doing fractions and she doesn't even realize it. And because it's so hands on, that's her, that's her lesson. And that's what she learns. Right, for sure. And I I think one of the things that really hit home for me from from Dana's book was the idea of prioritizing family over schooling and how much more important the family aspect is than school. And you can learn anything in life. And, uh, you know, she talked about that in the episode we talked about last week or the other week um, of the things that you can learn 
at home that you can't learn at school and the things that you can learn at school what you that you can't learn at home and there's a pretty glaring obvious ability to learn anything you want these days from home from your computer I from mean, anywhere from anywhere i prior to starting this podcast i had no idea how to edit audio oh boom youtube done <laughs> i learned how to edit audio I, am i a sound engineer no but i can do good enough for this right it sounds pretty good <laughs> so thinking about like a few of the the principles that she talked about there's three big core principles and the first one being treating the child as a human of equal value not someone to control and holy shit like that really hit me and thinking about how that principle can impact a person's mental well-being to be treated as an equal rather than somebody who is supposed to be controlled. Like there's so many times when I was a kid that I was having a hard time with my emotions and my feelings and the behavior was attempted to get controlled because it wasn't acceptable for public. Well, it was because I didn't know how to express myself and because I was controlled rather than connected with, didn't learn how to trust myself or my behaviors or anything like that. And I didn't feel as equal. I didn't feel like an equal. What is this like for you when you think about creating an equal partnership between parent and child rather than this authoritative dichotomy? Well, I feel like this is just like a a very natural way to go about it for me. It's it's like Dana said, it's very innate um, for me to do it this way. Because she does have her own voice and she does have her own opinions. And I remember being shut down, told no, just for the sake of being told no, it seemed like as a child. So (laughs) I don't want that for my kid. Um, And so we, you know, because we are unschooling and her interests are what drive her education, I often, I always include her in you know, what are we going to do today? This is the plan. This is what I need to get done. These are my needs. This is what dad needs to get done today. What do you want to get done today? And if, do you want to come with us to do X, Y, Z? Maybe you can stay home and do something else while I go. Or, you know, it's like, let's juggle everyone's needs in the situation so that everyone can feel like they're having their own own needs met and getting out of the day what they want to get out of the day. And sometimes she chooses to come with us and sometimes she wants to stay home. So it's like, okay, well, if one parent can stay home, we can stay home. She's still too young to leave home alone. But man, she is counting the down the days. (laughs) She loves her freedom. And what human doesn't? You know, and that that ties well into the the, one of the second principles being respecting the child autonomy even if that goes against what you want for them and thinking about uh one of the most fundamental human rights is autonomy and any time that autonomy is threatened we fight that we feel it we're under threat and so a child is no different if we are trying to impose our will on them without respecting their autonomy yeah i mean an example here is Let's get real screen time. Uh, She has put a, (laughs) 
she's literally asked us to stop saying the word screen because she's so sick of hearing us say it. And so we have uh, implemented that into our vocabulary and we tried and change the words up because if she wants to play a video game or watch a show or play on her computer, I have to realize that she's learning something by whatever it is, whatever media choice that she's using. Do we have limits? In unschooling, technically you don't. (laughs) But that's because an unschooler uses media differently than someone who's trying to escape from uh, their busy, you know, life of of school and, and being you know, stressed out all day. But an unschooler can use media and does use media in a different way because they have more free time. Um, I like to, I would like to limit screen time. I limit screen time for myself because I can tell that my body and eyes (laughs) don't like being in front of a screen for that long. Um, And so I just kind of like bring her awareness to that, but I try and not force it or I'm saying how about you've been on the computer or you've been watching that show for a bit how about you want to go outside some today and she always does she always wants to she's like all right let me finish this and then we'll go outside and we'll play or we'll go outside and do some art or whatever but she always realizes when her body is done watching something because she'll even say my eyes are really jacked up right now. (laughs) And I'm so glad because it's teaching her that awareness. And that's part of it. Right. It's our job as parents not to control their choices, but to empower them to make smart and healthy choices. And if we can guide them to being able to do that for themselves, they're going to be set up for that skill for the rest of their life, rather than somebody just making the choices for them. Totally. And in a world of technology and imagination like we are now, her having the skills of, you know, of technology is important. Um, And we can use media in so many ways to create. And so I want her to have as much time as she feels like she needs to explore. And I think about another lens of like autonomy is like respecting the things that she wants to do. And respecting the things and encouraging her to explore the things that excite her rather than something we see very often in our society is parents will project their old high school glory days onto their kids and be like, oh, well, I was the captain of the football team. I want to I want her to be captain of the football team. Well, that doesn't really work. And I thought about that, how it was really cool when we started down this homeschool journey that. I I had the realization, the self-realization that I'm like, oh man, I'm not even going to miss that. Like, I'm not going to miss high school sports. Like, if she wants to do it, we'll find a way for her to play, but uh, I'm not going to miss that environment where there's so many people that are just pushing their kids to do things that they don't really want to do. I mean, there was a lot of kids on the football team that I played in that didn't really want to be there. You could tell because they, they struggled through practice, but they were forced to do it. And that's not really respecting their autonomy. It's they're not there for you to live through your glory days. Meanwhile, she's a dancer and she power lives with us. 
And she's and she doesn't have to. She doesn't have to. And I think she just does those things because it's what she's exposed to on a daily basis. And I ask her every time, you know, it's always it's not like she's trained in four days a week like you are. Uh, I can't even say we, you, um, but, and then it's also, but it is, she does dance. She dances two to three days a week. And, and sometimes it's a struggle to like get her dressed to go. And I say, okay, well, do you not want to go? Do you want to quit? Do you want to, um, stop dancing? Do you not like it? And she's like, no, I do like it. I just don't like getting dressed. And I think it's because she doesn't like brushing her hair. <laughs> right. But she's learning how to do her own ponytail. And so maybe that'll start to excite her to get dressed for dance. But I know she is enjoying it because she pick her up and she's always like, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's always like I'll never force her to do anything she doesn't want to do. We did music for a while and she didn't want to practice and started dreading lessons. And so it was like time and it sucked because when I got really close with her music teacher and I loved her, um, but I wasn't going to force Rosalie to do music if she didn't want to, you know, and, and one day maybe she will want to learn again. And because she's ready and willing and has that internal motivation and drive, she'll learn it much more easily. For sure. We think about the old idea of, you know, when when a when a human is doing something they want to do, they find a lot more meaning and purpose and joy in their life when they do it. As the old saying goes, do something you love and find a way to make a living from it and you'll never work a day in your life. But rarely, I feel like, is it talked about how to support a person in finding and cultivating that. And I think about some of the things that we're doing and I, I think that we are doing that in the, in the lens that we're exposing her to different things, music, dance, lifting, whatever she starts to ex- show interest in, we give her that opportunity to explore it more. And the second she doesn't want to, we shut it down. Yeah. Like we check, we push her a little bit, you know, to make sure that that's what she really wants or if it's just a mood of the moment. Right. Um. But giving her opportunities to explore the things that she's excited about. And think about the math you're learning with lifting. (laughs) She knows how to convert kilos to pounds. (laughs) I didn't even know what a kilo was until I started lifting. For sure. (laughs) I mean, I did, but... Well, no, that's not true, because I started lifting long before I did any engineering. So I learned how to count by 45s. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And don't think we uh, have this all figured out. <laughs> I have to make that disclaimer here, too. Yeah, it's a good Because there are definitely days where I'm like, what are we doing? And at the same time, it's a lot more fun than what I see my other friends going through right now and putting their kids in school and all these dance moms at school who are like stressed and rushed and tired and their kids are angry and hungry and tired <laughs> and stressed. And everyone's like, man, how do you, how, how are you here on time every time? And I'm like, well, we don't have to rush around. We didn't have to pick up from school. We didn't have to do homework. Like all day long is homework, technically. <laughs> right. 
playing yeah. is the homework. Playing is the fun. The work is in doing what you love doing. And or the work for us is in finding books like this and consuming them and, and digesting them and learning what we can along the way, because you're right. We don't have it all figured out. And I don't want to give that impression either that we know it all. Uh, this is just things that we're learning that are resonating with us. And it, some of it strikes home really hard with me. I think respecting child autonomy. There's so many memories I have from public school of teachers not respecting my autonomy and things that I wanted to do. And it was just such an environment of control and sit in your desk and shut up and don't be a rambunctious, energetic kid. Like just that hurts people that hurts their mental well-being, And I don't want to create that environment. Yeah. It just causes a really tense nervous system when you can't move the way you want to move all day long. And literally pump cerebral spinal fluid back and forth between your brain and tailbone. Like it's just, that's like the science behind that. Like kids need to move. They need all of that proprioceptive input for neurons to grow and change and evolve and right. learn. That fucking teacher gets to stand up in front of the classroom walking back and forth all day long writing on the chalkboard, but everybody else has got to sit down and shut up. Nah. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely like uh, that That could be a whole episode in and of itself with some of those memories. So I'll, uh, I'll avoid going down that, that rabbit hole. And the, the third principle, the one that, man, this one, this one really hit me. There was a lot of times when I listened to this book that I cried and in all honesty, like I would recommend this book to anyone, even if you're not homeschooling, even if you don't have kids, like there's just so many different things in this book that help me heal some of my inner child wounds that there is, I was crying more often than not when I listened to this book because it was just, it was hitting me it, right in the feels. <laughs> but the idea of prioritizing connection with the child and the thought of the, the big thing that I carry forward with me now is as much as I can is constantly reminding myself connection over correction. I need to connect before I try and connect, correct. Anytime that I am good and grounded in that and prioritize that, everything flows so much easier with Rosalie. And I know that that is true for you as well. Totally. Totally. If I'm, you know, just trying to like make my day flow and she's not moving at the clip that I want her to be moving at or whatever, you know, rushing her isn't, isn't gonna, isn't gonna work or yelling at her to hurry up doesn't usually work. Um, but like getting on my knees, looking her in the face and being like, Hey, mom's got to be here at this time for whatever reason. And then she understands so much more. And like, just taking those like five seconds to like, say why helps with connection. And that's like just an example of one that I use all the time. Yeah. One that I use that I learned from you. I remember a while back, this is a couple of years ago, you'd made the comment of getting down on her level. Yeah. And 
You talked about that in the Noon Chang episode. Oh, yeah. It is helpful. It is. Because you're so much bigger than her. Not that you're that big. Insert bad short joke. (laughs) But you're much bigger than her. (laughs) Yeah. When I get down on her level or below her, it makes all the difference in the world. And Yeah, she's not like a dog that you have to dominate to control. (laughs) Because dogs need that. Right. That like... They function that way, but with a child, like sure they they can function that way, but they'll hate you. <laughs> they'll they'll hate you. They'll have years of damage that they need to unfuck later because you fucked them up. And <laughs> connecting with them, it it does everything. It cultivates trust. Uh, it's going to enrich the learning environment from a place of love over fear and authority. Yeah. It's going to create a a team environment rather than the authority paradigm. Oh, yeah. And they're going to feel your love. Oh, yeah. And you're going to feel their love back. Yeah. And I just want home to be a place of safety and comfort and like really feel like home base. Like where can I go when shit's hitting the fan that's going to be safe and I'm going to always feel held and for her, I'm hoping it's here. <laughs> and so I'm doing everything in my power to create a space that is safe and non-judgmental and free of guilt and shame and always an opportunity for learning from our mistakes. You know, anytime there's a mess made or something happens or it was obviously a mistake, you know, even she says it now out loud. Uh, messes can be cleaned up. You know, like it isn't, it isn't a problem. And I just remember, like for me, I like things really neat and tidy. And I start getting, I can feel my blood start to boil when messes and crumbs and spills and stuff start happening, and the honey jar is all sticky on the outside, and I'm just like, all right, <laughs> but. I just like slow down, realize we're not in a rush. We don't have to get to school on time and we can take our time to slowly make our home comfortable and happy and safe and a place we want to be. You know, you said that and all I thought in my head was, and even if we did go to school, we don't have to get to school on time. And it's like, oh, wait, yeah, school like punishes kids for being late. Mm-hmm. And... Like, that just completely undermines a person's life. Like, you have to be here at this time or else. Like, I mean, shit happens. It undermines the parent, too. Yeah, it undermines the parent for sure. there's a certain amount of days you have to be in school or else you're, like, literally going to get a visit from the authorities. Are you kidding me? Free country. Or or is it really? Yeah. I'm going to take my kid to Ireland for two weeks if I want to. Right. That's definitely another advantage of the homeschool life is we make and create our own schedule. Uh, and that is highly valued. Yep. And even... So even the curriculums... So let's get on... I don't know. Am I getting off topic? You're, you're okay. Fine. 
just like the idea of homeschooling versus unschooling. So you keep saying homeschooling because that's yeah, like I'm... a safe term to use <laughs> for um, listeners. But <laughs> unschooling, like there literally is no curriculum. Like the child is the curriculum and every day it changes. And because her interests are what they are at a certain time, we explore things about that topic, but it can change tomorrow. And if I had a plan or a curriculum, I would just be setting myself up for frustration because maybe they don't want to learn about bugs today or maybe they don't want to learn about compound words today. But like there's a rainbow outside that's really always cool, you know, so let's go outside. Rainbow. Oh, that's two words in one. It's a compound word. Boom. Everything is an absolute learning opportunity. Um, and so, yeah, homeschooling versus unschooling. Right. Yes, <laughs> there is There is that. I definitely haven't made that switch of words and vernacular yet. Or life schooling. A lot of people, like like they say in the book, a lot of people don't like that we're talking about what we're not doing. But I think it's actually very important to say what we're not doing. We are not going to school. There's nothing about school that I want anymore. And when even when I was in school, this is another reason, I hated it. I pretended to be sick like all the time. When I got to college and didn't have to go, I I made sure I missed as many of those days as I was allowed to miss to get the grade I needed to get. It was like, what was the bare minimum I could do to still get the grade I wanted, which was always a B. (laughs) I was okay with C's even because, and I'm a smart person. Like if I apply myself, I'm going to make an A. But if it was a class I didn't want to be taking and I just had to take for my major or my degree or whatever it was, I didn't care. I got out of the class only what I needed to get out of the class. And I learned well above and beyond what was taught in the class about subjects that I wanted to learn about. Right. That doing things out of duty and obligation, it's definitely ingrained in the culture very hard and really goes against human autonomy on a lot of levels. And thinking about the the comment on, on curriculum too, like one of the things that it can look like is it when she's interested, we jump on it whenever it is. And that has looked like on some days we do spelling words and words and grammar and stuff like that at 8.30 at night before we go to bed. Oh, yeah. She wants to learn at the most convenient times. Usually it's right. bedtime because I think that's like one of her tactics to stay awake <laughs> and not go to bed when we want her to go to bed, which is another thing we're trying to control sometimes uh and so she's playing us hard there <laughs> right and or is is she really playing us hard like is she i i would like to think that that's a uh, a wound of ours that we can't trust her in that moment and that we're attached to a control i know for me I, every time that happens i'm like dude detach from the time, detach from the bedtime, like shift and flow with life. Stop trying to control five minutes here. Just chill. 
and <laughs> I'm laughing because Ross is the one who wanted a bedtime. Okay, <laughs> I could stay up all night some nights, <laughs> well, but teaching her to to learn her circadian rhythm, her body, what's her body need, how much sleep does she want to get at six or younger? It's hard to believe that they know, <laughs> but. Or rather, and it seems like she does because she'll sleep in on a night, on a day that she stayed up super late. Um, or she'll, you know, if she's wide awake and ready to learn and ready to like do stuff, like we're doing it. Like, let's just go. And it's tough because <laughs> maybe one of us is tired and we want to go to bed. And so I think we just... And this is us literally working through this right now. I think sometimes we have to show her because we've thought we've talked about this. Hmm. Well, if you want to stay up, you're going to have to tuck yourself in because we got to go to bed because we're tired and we were up early this morning. And I think as she gets a little bit older, that's going to maybe kick in. But right now she values us putting her to bed. And so... There's there's this kind of give and take that has to happen. It's not like she's just running the household, you know, or like r- making all the rules up herself. Like there aren't there aren't a ton of rules. There's just like guidelines around health and wellness. And we value sleep, and we're teaching her to value sleep. And that and and that looks differently each day. <laughs> yep, it it definitely it it does except. I, the 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 hard part for me a lot of times around it is I don't really have an opportunity to change my wake up time. Like I still need to get up and and get to it and get my my work done for the day and all that kind of stuff. So that's where some of my attachment to a bedtime comes in. But I'm working through it and I realize that I don't need to be so rigid about it and the rigidity of it for me is is something that I need to work through and not necessarily project onto her. Yeah, I mean last night she fell asleep in my lap on the couch at 8:15, 8:30 and her quote unquote bedtime is like 9 o'clock. So, it definitely is an ebb and flow and Ross just has this huge, you know, you just have this structure around it that you're working through. Yeah, I do like routine. <laughs> and I think homeschoolers do too. And I remember when I started this, I had a whole routine for a rhythm worked out every day. Like we're going to wake up, we're going to go check on the garden. We're going to have a little bit of screen time while I see some patients. And she's going to have a little bit of screen time while I saw some patients. And then we're going to do, you know, some reading time and then an art of some sort, whether that was dance or painting or drawing, and then come home and have more outside time as a family or maybe the neighborhood kids and us. And that was my whole rhythm for the day. Like there was always going to be opportunities for this or that. And it just never works out like that. <laughs> right. It's always different than that. So I think one of the things that I want to highlight too um, it's just the idea that a lot of these principles and the ideas from Dana are applicable whatever 
path you choose for education. And that's where I look at a lot of these things are for connecting with the child. I found them really beneficial ideas to connect with my inner child and help with my healing and help with my presence and being more available in life. And like, for example, Dana talked about how amazing it was to finally listen to her intuition and let that guide her rather than a lot of the societal constructs on the way you should parent and you should do this and you should do that. And that's how you're supposed to do this. And that's how you're supposed to do that. And a lot of those things didn't sit well with her. And a lot of those things were festering in her intuition. And that plays a massive role where she had grown to with this idea of radical unschooling. And one of the things that I really uh, connected with, with a lot of that is I see that in you, Vanessa, like you are that intuitive guide in this family and that helps cultivate more trust and awareness in the whole situation when, when we are in tune with that. And so one of the big things that I wanted to ask you in this episode today was what can we do to cultivate that trust and that awareness, especially if that means going against the culture? Mm. Yeah. So I had a similar experience as she did. Like I, as far as like really stepping into it when I had my daughter um, and being pregnant, it was like all of a sudden you have this like surge of uh, mom juice. I don't know what else to call it, but it's like this like... Inner, gestures to her breast milk. This like this like inner, <laughs> inner <laughs> literally this like inner knowing just becomes so much more palpable and deep and strong um in you. And I can't say that I didn't have that before because I was always very in tune with what I wanted and what you know I felt was right. Um that doesn't mean to say I always did that because I also had some sort of like needing to fit into my structure of whether it was family or friends culture. Um, But once I became a mother, so that really just kind of flew out the window. Like I didn't give a fuck what anyone else thought. Um, I was doing what was good for me and her. And that was it. Um, It just like turned on you know, I feel like I did that a little bit before her, but it was more, it was just really powerful. And so when it comes to, you know, leading through that, I think the best way we can, as everyone can do this, my advice, I guess, my advice moment, um, is to just like stay clear. And what I mean by that is like, don't do things that alter your sense of reality. Like stay in tune with your emotions and your feelings. Um, Like feel the pain. Don't numb it out with anything. And that goes for like pharmaceutical drugs or recreational drugs or alcohol or anything. Just feel it because the feeling is the guide 
and it's the knowing and it's your body sending you messages. When we numb ourselves out, we don't get those messages. We ignore them and we think it's not a big deal. We just got to get through it and on to the next thing. But when we do that, we stuff them down and we then have to deal with them later. And so staying clear, I always get adjusted because when your nervous system is functioning well, you're clearer. You function clearer. Your brain is more focused. You don't have brain fog. Your body is more aligned and you're able to move and you're able to do more of what you want to be doing. And you don't have the excuse of, oh, I'm in pain or, oh, I'm working through something or blah, blah, blah. Like you are just firing on all cylinders and your mind is clearer. That's the answer. <laughs> no, that's great. I like it. It's cool stuff. You know, it's about how can you optimize everything about your mind, body, and your spirit and connect to them and do what your body's telling you to do. And think about, rather than thinking about so much and overthinking, like do the first thing that comes to your heart. Like, Operate from a place of your heart and your gut more than your brain because your brain is fucked up from all the input and it's fucking everything else up in your body. All the media, all the bullshit. <laughs> okay, just do what you feel. And that's how I do it. I don't know. I don't know how else to say it other than I just operate from what I feel like is right on a guttural level. Right. And for those that think like me, cause I'm a thinker, I know there's definitely been a few times on this journey together with you that you'll have this idea that you bring to me and I immediately have a, a thought process of that's not going to work or whatever, just like this homeschool thing is. And when I let go of the thought and allow myself to trust your intuition and allow myself to reconnect with some of my other feelings rather than thinking too much, I start to realize, wow, this is a really fucking cool opportunity. This is a really cool opportunity to do things different, do things on our terms rather than somebody else's terms and somebody else's structure. It's been, it's really cool. And it feels good. It does feel good. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with feeling good. All on your own power because of your choices. Yeah. I mean, that's in line with the core intentions of the podcast is empowering people and sharing knowledge and stories and tools so that we can break free from those figurative chains and we can go do, be, and create whatever the fuck we want. Yeah. We interrupt the show with a brief message. This podcast was created through a strong sense of belonging. A tremendous amount of personal growth has had to occur in order for me to be able to create the Project Unchained podcast, my gift to you. Being vulnerable is scary, and it's not something I've always been able to do. I've had to create confidence in myself and what I believed in. No one was going to do that for me. I had to do that for myself. And guess what? You can too. Creating self-confidence begins with a strong sense of belonging. You create belonging through internal validation. Well, how do you do that, you might ask? I got you. 
I've created this online self-development course that is designed specifically to help you build a strong sense of belonging within yourself, the ability to internally validate your existence, have the confidence you desire, and grow your self-worth that you never thought possible. The Belonging Blueprint is here to guide you every step of the way. To get more information and to enroll today, you can click the link in the show notes or message me directly. Now back to the show. So as we wrap up here, one of the thoughts that came to my mind with the the self-care tool, how we like to wrap up with a self-care tool around here is like, what's a parenting self-care tool that allows you to stay like grounded with the kid, present with the kid, in touch with your intuition for the kid, like something along those lines? Hmm. I think... I think your best, like my, my like go to here is like, if I make a mistake or I do lose my cool in moments, cause it happens is like reconnecting to yourself quickly, as quickly as you can by saying, why did I react that way? And then quickly like as fast as possible so you can move on, connect with your child and say, I'm sorry. Or say, I didn't mean to raise my voice or act like that because, you know, it just felt in the moment I was overwhelmed or whatever you would have to say, whatever, whatever the issue was, um, I think is a great self-care tool because you're immediately forgiving yourself for acting that way and then you're giving your kid an opportunity to reconnect with you and see you as a person who is going to step up to their mistakes you know or or i guess what is it i don't want to say man up just own your shit (laughs) yeah own your shit there you go um somebody who you know you that's that's a great lesson for sure there's know, lots of, you know, I de- that's definitely something that I've had to like learn because <laughs> I'm always, I came from a family where y- everyone is right and there's not a whole lot of I'm sorry's, you know, it's like you're going to fight till the, till you win. <laughs> I can, I can verify that. <laughs> and so it's, it's about, that's what a, a big thing that I've had to rewrite in my patterning of upbringing. Um, and I can tell that Rosalie truly does appreciate it because she quickly snaps out of it. She doesn't hold resentment and she doesn't really throw it in my face. You know, there are times where maybe she has, and those are the moments where I realize I didn't do a good, good enough job apologizing. (laughs) Right. So, yeah, no, I like that one. I know it's been really valuable for me to when I've made mistakes and I know I'll make them again. Look, we're human. We're going to make parenting mistakes. It's just the nature of the game. But man, when we think about prioritizing connection with the child, it makes a huge difference when we go and apologize when we need to and, and ownership when we need to. I can see I can see the connection. I can see the love in Rosalie's eyes when, when I own that and do that. And you know, that's healing for me too. Like on my own personal level to do that, even though it kind of like 
on that ego level hurts to say, oh, I, I made a mistake. I was wrong. Like people obviously a lot of times don't like to do that, but it honestly, as I let that part of it go, it feels really good and I can feel better about myself. And also as a kid, kid doesn't know how to apologize until you teach them how through example. I hate this. Stop doing this, everyone. When your kid does something and then you go, say you're sorry, say you're sorry. I literally will tell parents they don't have to. They don't have to. Like, you know, whatever. Like, they, something happens, you're out and there's a problem and the, and the parents are like, should you say you're sorry? And it's like, they're not done crying themselves. It's not, you know, it's like, <laughs> we need to remember to apologize before we can expect our children to apologize from the heart rather than the mouth. And from the obligation. Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. So the, uh, the, the tool I want to leave you with today can set you up, I think, in in advance of an occurrence like that, that I found really beneficial for myself is having a moment. Like I work from home, Vanessa's home. She's homeschooling Rosalie. She's unschooling Rosalie. (laughs) (laughs) And so everybody's home all day and there's a lot of path crossing and that can present really cool opportunities, but it can also present uh, like moments of friction an interruption and interruptions, <laughs> right? Like if I, so I need to always remind myself when I come upstairs for another cup of coffee or whatever, I take a second and be like, just switch hats, be present, but don't meddle. Like if I stay in work mode and I keep work hat Ross and work roll Ross on and I come upstairs from work and I'm in the like family environment with the work hat still on. I'm not grounded. I'm not present. I'm disconnected from the family. I'm disconnected from them. And that shows up in my behavior and it shows up in the way that I act and talk to them. And I'll be short, I'll be frustrated and different things of that nature. So I have to remember to take the hat off and put the right hand on, tune into the right role and be the right person in that moment uh, is really beneficial. And so like I do that, I try and do that really intentionally because in a lot of environments and normal, normal, quote unquote, normal environments, right? You have that like drive home from work to decompress from work where you can switch that role from worker to dad or whatever it is for you. I don't have that opportunity. So I have to learn and give myself that opportunity and decompress and switch that role. Uh, and so you can do that on the drive home if you don't actively do that. If you just tune out and numb out on the drive home, actively work on switching that role to being present in who you need to show up as in that moment, in that environment. I didn't even know you were going to say anything about that. That's true, <laughs> though. No, it's true. When he comes up in the middle of something that we're doing <clears throat> and it doesn't look like school, he can immediately like interrupt the flow of whatever's going on if he isn't connected to what's going on. So that's really, that was really good. That was a really good one. Nice work. Yeah. Thanks. And uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's beneficial. And I, 
actually that was kind of an expansion from one that I did before where I needed to remind myself in the mornings when people come down and get ready after I'm usually one of the first ones up and people come down that I need to ground myself in the chaos and be ready for the chaos and the energy of other people being awake and not necessarily just, okay, get ready, get out and like, go do your thing, go be where you're supposed to be. And I, I made mornings difficult when I wasn't in a good state of being. <laughs> Hopefully that makes sense. Oh, so it's chaotic in the morning? Well, like when Rosalie would go to uh, West Marietta. Oh, gotcha. When she was still, when she was still like going to the, the daycare preschool yeah. Montessori thing. And there was yeah. always this rush to get there on time and, you know, get your kids to school on time and that whole yeah. like rush in the morning. And if I didn't take a moment to just be okay, like I made things worse. And when I just took a moment before everybody got down, just be like, it doesn't matter. Time isn't real. It's a construct. Just <laughs> flow with it. Be present. Be honor yourself, honor your family, honor your kid. Uh, and I would operate in a much more pleasant way. Okay. I was like, it's gonna, it's chaos now? <laughs> no, it's definitely the opposite of that. Now, <laughs> now we wake up and do what we want when you, we want. Well, I wake you up. You think of it really. as chaos? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Definitely, Maybe just the feminine not. cloud passing. The the stormy one? Yeah. <laughs> sometimes they're stormy and sometimes they're light and fluffy. All right, y'all. We're starting to ramble, so we'll uh, see you on the next episode. Vanessa, thank you for joining me and thank you for being such a beautiful mother. Thank you. Thanks for joining Project Unchained today. It's important to note that I'm not a doctor nor a licensed therapist. I'm just a guy who is passionate about helping empower others to break free from their limiting thoughts and beliefs to have extraordinary life experiences. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. That will ensure that this podcast can reach more people. We're more powerful together, so please do share this with others. I'm always happy to engage with you, so please do reach out via social media or email if you'd like to chat. A special thank you to my very talented cousin, Galen Lee, for the intro and outro music to this show. The song is Lost in the Woods from her 2018 album, Learning How to Stay. You can find Galen's albums on Bandcamp, Spotify, and ViolinScratches.com. Until next time, make your life experience extraordinary. Let's get unchained. Give yourself away.